My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. An Erio's original. Hello and welcome to Web Crawlers, the podcast where we do a deep dive into some of our favorite mysteries. Each week, we will introduce our topic, lay out our research and findings, reveal some conspiracy theories, and conclude with our own hypothesis. I am Ali Siegel. I am Melissa Stettin. And I'm producer Maria. Melissa, who are our amazing patrons? Well, we've got Erica, Tay, Fun Kilo, or Fun Kylo, Fun Someone, Michael, Ben, and Mark. Guys, welcome to the team. We are so excited to have you. Oh, hold on. I got a Sasquatch mask. Fun. <laughs> and I'm going to be reading Bigfoot Erotica on the Patreon in my Sasquatch Sasquatch match. Am I okay? Sasquatch match. Sasquatch match. And maybe a bikini. So hold on one second. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh this no, mask. Allie. Oh, no. Do you like it? That is more realistic than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, it's actually a little scary, and I can't really breathe or see. <laughs> oh my god, that face <laughs> and that Slipknot shirt you're wearing—it's <laughs> very real. Yeah, scary. actually, I just look so tight. <laughs> Anyways, so look forward to that. If you want to watch me uh, read Bigfoot erotica in a bikini and a Sasquatch mask, then fucking join the Patreon. Hi, (laughs) Melissa, what is our episode about today? Okay, this episode was suggested by the lovely Matt Scuda. 
Shout out to Maria's Demon in the Discord for compiling everyone's suggestions and sending them every month in this like organized spreadsheet. Wow. It's so easy to go through. And this is this is an episode that I've been it's been on the in the back of my brain for a while. I'm like, yeah, I gotta do this one. It's crazy. We seriously have the coolest listeners that they write in the Discord different episode ideas and they co- collect it in a spreadsheet for us. And email it to us. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> That's insane. We should be paying for their Patreon. That's Seriously. nuts. So today, we're going to talk about the Oklahoma Girl Scout murders from 1977. Wow. Where three girls were killed while camping. It's an infuriating case because someone was arrested who initially seemed like the murderer, but then he died shortly after. And then some evidence came out that maybe exonerated him. It's a whole mess. So let's get into it. Also, trigger warning, this does contain violence against children. So some sources I had for this are darkideas.net and girlscoutmurders.com. If you want to see like photos of the camp and like the suspects and everything, go to girlscoutmurders.com because it has like, it's so detailed. It's so amazing. So Camp Scott is located two miles from the town of Locust Grove, about 50 miles from Tulsa, Oklahoma. And this camp had been operated by the Girl Scouts since 1928. On Sunday, June 12th, 1977, 140 girls arrived for a two-week camp. There were 12 campsites. Each campsite had about seven to eight tents. And the youngest girls were in the Kiowa unit, K-I-O-W-A. And the tents were on these like wooden platforms, and they slept four girls in each tent. Have you guys ever been to Girl Scout camp? No. I've never been a Girl Scout. Me neither. Wow. I did. I'll eat them cookies, though. I'll eat them Girl Scout cookies, though. Those cookies. I just recently ate the last of my Thin Mints that were frozen in my... Whoa, you lasted those a while. Well, I forgot. They were hidden. What's your cookie of choice? I'm a Thin Mint girl, for sure. Samoas. Samosas? Samoas. Samoas. Samo- not samosas. <laughs> that's not, not the... No, um, that's like I like dosi dos a lot, which is crazy because I'm not mm. usually a peanut butter The peanut gal. butter ones? Yeah, I like those. Um, honestly, like the 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 Thin Mint, I like them all. Um, I like <gasps> The new all. s'mores ones are really good. <gasps> I haven't had those. I those haven't had those so either. Good. Okay. So there's, I don't know, in the Google Doc, I have um, visual aids. In case you want to follow along, of like oh wow, pictures Melissa! Yeah, I really, I just, it's just, it's like a book report. It's like a whole presentation. This is really cool. Wow, how do we share this? How do we share this with people? Do we like? Well, I'll post all these photos on Instagram. Ooh, okay, so everyone can see, like you know, pictures of the tent. See how janky it was. It's just like a wooden. Oh. There was uh, like a not- fence around the camp. But Not it was like glamping. it was so janky. Were you the one in uh, elementary school and high school for group projects? You did the whole project. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have that air yes, about you. Yeah. Yes, I did. Yeah. And I was totally fine doing. I was like, I'll just do it, guys. Don't have to, you don't have to do anything. I'll do it. That's why yeah. I made friends. What's your zodiac sign? Aries. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> Does she not fit? Can you not uh, fit that? Does that uh, not make sense? I don't know much about Aries. Mm, mysterious. Mm. <laughs> mm. Oh no, you are. You are an Aries. Okay, so 
leadership, <laughs> leadership, focus, uh, demanding, vitality, courage. Oh, I don't think you're me. demanding, but you're definitely leadership and focused for sure. Yep. Totally. Uh, element is fire. You're very like driven. Sure. Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So this camp. It was janky. It was janky as hell. There was a gate that wasn't locked. So literally, like, anyone could come in and out of this camp. And the night camp started, this session, all the girls could pick which girls they wanted to bunk with. And there were only three girls who didn't really know anyone else. So they decided to bunk together. They're like, oh, I don't know anyone here. None of my friends came. And they were Lori Lee Farmer. She was eight. Doris Denise Milner. She was 10. And Michelle Heather, oh, Gouze, I think it is. She's nine. And they decided to pick tent number eight, which was located the farthest from the camp counselor's tent. And it was partially obscured by the showers for the camp. So there was like a half moon shape. And theirs was like the last tent. Half moon going around the showers. Got it. Which it seems crazy that they didn't have a counselor in each tent or at least... The counselor could have been in a tent where they had seen all the other tents. That's yeah. a mistake. I guess it was like the 60s. It was like the early 70s, right? This is the 70s. Yeah. Anything goes. Who yeah. knew? Who? Yeah. Nobody cares. Warrior kids were. So there was a fourth girl who was supposed to be in tent eight. But due to like this administrative error, they let her stay in her current tent. And they were like, well, we'll just put you in that tent tomorrow. It doesn't matter. Whatever. So there's these three girls in the tent. So the first night of camp at around 6 p.m., they all had dinner. And at 7 p.m., a thunderstorm hit the area. And so all the girls like huddled in their tents and they all started writing letters to their parents. So Lori was the youngest Girl Scout at the entire camp. She was eight. She wrote to her mom and dad, Dear Mom and Dad and Misty and Joe and Chad and Kathy, we're just getting ready to go to bed. It's 7.45. We're at the beginning of a storm and having a lot of fun. I've met two new friends, Michelle and Denise. I'm sharing a tent with them. It started raining on the way back from dinner. We're sleeping on cots. I couldn't wait to write. We're all writing letters now because there's hardly anything else to do. With love, Lori. And then Michelle had already attended the camp the previous year, and she was like excited to be back. She was athletic and active. She loved the outdoors. She was the, she's a nine-year-old. And it seems likely that the other girls probably looked to her for experience. Mostly Denise Miller, who was like extremely anxious over the trip. Doris. Doris, well, her nickname is Doris Denise Milner. Oh. Oh, Wow, Maria. Well, I'm sorry. I was looking at a picture of, I was looking at a picture of her and it said Doris. And so I didn't, I didn't know. I'm learning all this, but I was just looking at literally a picture of her. Denise. I think that's mainly what she went by. Got it. Uh, So Denise was very anxious over the trip. Her mom said she was worried about attending and almost decided that she didn't want to go, but her mom convinced her otherwise. She was a straight-A student, and she had sold enough Girl Scout cookies to go to the the camp. That's awesome. And a few of her friends were supposed to go to camp, but they all backed out at the last minute. So she was like, oh, guys, what the heck? And so Denise's letter... That she wrote that night said, Dear Mom, I don't like camp. It's awful. The first day it rained. I have three new friends named Linda, Lori, and Michelle. Michelle and Lori are my roommates. Mom, I don't want to stay in camp for two weeks. I want to come home to see Kathy and everybody. Your loving child, Denise Milner. She was apparently crying on the bus ride to the camp. 
And her mom told her just to give it a try. And if she didn't like it, she could call her and she'd pick her up. Oh, poor baby. So after reading the letters, the three girls were up for a few more hours and they went to sleep around like 10 or 1030. So that night, the first night, the counselor, Carla, I think she was 18 or 19-ish, like definitely still a teenager. She woke up around midnight because she heard girls giggling in the bathroom. So she got up to see what was happening and she found some girls goofing around. So she brought them back to their tent in tent number one which was the closest to the counselor's tent. <clears throat> so Carla goes back to sleep. She woke up again around 1.30 a.m. and she heard other girls talking in tent number four. So she gets up to walk over there. She hears a strange sound. She described it as like a low guttural moaning sound. She aimed her flashlight over to the area and the sound stopped. Oh, no. And she also heard the noise throughout the night. And she saw a small dim light in the forest, too, that would turn off when she shone her flashlight on it. And she was also kind of freaked out, but thought it was nothing, and then went back to her tent. Also, during this time, there were things being stolen from the tents. What? Campers were missing things like bags and purses and clothes and a lot of glasses. The glasses is important. Remember that detail for later. Okay. Another counselor in another unit also reported seeing that dim light in the middle of the woods. Campers also heard screaming, but everyone ignored it because they just assumed it was girls having fun and telling jokes. Then around 2 a.m., another campsite heard a girl screaming, Mama, Mama. No one went to check. Oh, my god! What? So in the Kiowa unit, where the three girls were in tent number four, or a girl in tent number four said she woke up to someone shining a flashlight into her tent. She oh said it was god. a man. Oh my god, no. And he sat there staring for a few seconds and put the flap down and walked towards the last tent number eight. <sighs> and you can see in the diagram that there's like the shower in between. So the counselor can't see that tent. You have to go around right. like a half moon shape to see that oh, tent. Oh shit. So then around 6 a.m., Counselor Carla was on her way to the shower and she saw some sleeping bags in the forest about 500 feet from the last tent. She went to get a closer look and on top of one of the bags was the body of 10-year-old Denise Milner. No. Her clothes were ripped off. Her hands were bound behind her. She was strangled with cord and bludgeoned in the face there were two other sleeping bags near her that were zipped up completely. So Car she doesn't look at she Carla runs back to the other counselor's tents, wakes them up, has them check all the other tents to see like what, what girls are missing, if they are. And Carla gets the nurse. They run back to the body, and the nurse says Denise is dead. They touch the other sleeping bags, and they feel heavy. Oh, my God. Oh, God. So they call the police, and they come... And open the other two bags, and they find the bodies of Lori Farmer and Michelle Gouzet. They were both bludgeoned in the head, and later was discovered that they were both killed inside the tent because a large amount of blood found inside the tent. Also, all three girls were sexually assaulted because of semen evidence. Jesus Christ. Horrific. So. And these girls were like 10 years old? Yeah, 8, 9, and 10. Oh. So a large red flashlight was found near the girls' bodies that had a cover over the lens to dim the light. And a uh, fingerprint was found on the lens. 
but it, the fingerprints never been identified. And then there was newspaper stuffed into the flashlight to keep the battery from like jiggling around. There were a pair of glasses. A footprint from a nine and a half shoe size sneaker was also found in the blood in the tent. There was also boot print. But the scene was contaminated because some officers left a palm print just contaminating crime scenes. Always. And then some of the cords used to tie the girls had different style knots. So they're like, hmm, it could be the work of two people. How weird. So then the camp immediately shut down. They didn't tell the other campers what happened. They told the parents that an accident happened. They didn't tell the parents? No. They called the parents of the three murdered girls and told them they died in an accident. And that's all they said. What? And so Lori's father said he found out from the executive director of the Girl Scouts. But he wasn't the first person they called. First, they called their insurance company. Then they called their lawyer. And then they called the parents. To tell them their kid was dead. They were like, oh, we got to call insurance first. Like, they didn't even call the parents first. Oh, my God. Also, the parents had no idea that their kids were brutally murdered until they saw it on the news. They had no idea. They thought, like, oh, an accident. Maybe they drowned or maybe they something crazy happened. Maybe they fell off a cliff or something. And they thought, like, some freak accident happened. And they're like, oh, my God, our kids were murdered? Like, nobody told us. She's Crazy. So then there was, like, a big manhunt to find out who did this. So then the next day, a camper named Wilma said she was one of the girls who heard screams, and she actually told a counselor. But the counselor was like, everything's okay. Go back to sleep. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then another camp at a different site (sighs) stayed open, but they had armed guards watching the campers. Like, people were still sending their kids to this camp after. They're like, we have armed guards. It's fine. Like, we'll just leave the, the camp open. Like, why would you let your kid go? It's the 70s, man. The 70s crazy. were crazy. And then a Boy Scout camp three miles from this camp stayed open. They didn't send anyone home. They're like, whatever. It's fine. So then there's a lot of weird shit that went on before the murders. So a week before this camp session, two counselors said that they were followed back to their tents by someone with a flashlight in the woods. And then a few hours... Before this camp session started, a caretaker found a slashed tent flap with like a little patch removed. And then another counselor saw a man outside of her tent, just like standing there. And then a year before, there was a peeping Tom reported. Uh, I'd maybe choose another campground. Yeah. And then money and glasses were stolen out of tents. So two months before these murders, during an on-site training session, a camp counselor discovered that her belongings had been ransacked and her donuts were stolen. Okay, that's fucked. That's what do you fucked mean up. Donuts. Oh, oh, I'm gonna guess they were like Entenmann's type, like packaged donuts. Oh man, yeah. Entenmann's yeah. donuts are so good. They're so, so good. good. And inside the empty donut box was a handwritten note stating in capital letters, "We're on a mission to kill three girls in tent one." What? This is two months before. What? So Barbara, the director of that, this is like a training session for the counselors. 
treated the note as a prank and threw it away. Are you? I was like, ha ha. Kidding? Ha ha, funny prank. So they don't have that as evidence. What are you doing? I feel like parenting and taking care of children was insane up until the 90s. Yeah. It was no holds barred up until like 2000 when people were like, oh, we actually have to care about raising kids. Yeah. Yeah. Like I would go out and like during the summertime, I would go out, ride my bike, come home. I don't know, 10 hours later, I would just be out on my bike, like ride miles away. Just who knows what I was doing. I only ate Domino's and Hamburger <laughs> Helper and Oreos and Chicken Fingers. I yeah. I didn't see healthy food until no. I was 30. Yeah, me too. Had no idea what fruit or vegetables were. Yeah. <laughs> I would drink Literally. Coke and Pepsi. I had yeah. to get like fillings every six months because I would just be eating sugar. <laughs> totally. It was crazy. crazy. My parents were like, why are you fat? You only feed me pizza. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> why are you fat? <laughs> uh, okay. So two days after the murders, they brought in cadaver dogs to track the killer or killers. And they tracked them entering the camp through the front gate and walking right by the counselor's tent on their way to tent eight. Like these killers or killer just walked right by. They found a pair of glasses on the trail that were stolen from another tent. Oh, my God. So the Oklahoma governor asked Sheriff Weaver, who was the lead sheriff, if he wanted the National Guard brought in. And he was like, "Now we're good. Just insane. No, I got it. I got it, guys. Killer on the loose. Killer on the loose. We're good. We're good. Things as usual. And so they discovered that the tape and cord used in the murders was actually stolen from a farmhouse nearby. They also found evidence of a fire set up the night of the murders on the ranch. So someone was just like hanging out waiting to kill, like just burning a fire. And the police interviewed the guy who owned the farm and he had a solid alibi. He was like out of town that night. But the newspapers printed his picture with the word slayer underneath. Even though he had a solid alibi. Stop it. So he was like, what the fuck? I'm not the fucking killer. It's like ruining his life. Yeah. So then there's the first suspect. So Sheriff Weaver brings up a possible suspect, Gene Leroy Hart. Hart grew up about a mile from Camp Scott. He was 33. He was a local football star. He was popular. He was well-liked. He was good-looking. But he had been on the run since 1973 after escaping the county jail. He actually escaped twice. My God. Under Sheriff Weaver's watch. So this sheriff was like, you know, had a vendetta against him already. So he apparently sawed through the bars of his cell with a hacksaw. (laughs) How did he get a hacksaw into jail? Excuse me. Who knows? Jails in the 60s and 70s, you could just like (laughs) sneak in tools and escape out of them. But this guy, Gene Leroy Hart, Leroy Hart, he had been convicted of kidnapping and raping two pregnant women, as well as oh four God. counts of first-degree burglary. So this guy was a piece of shit. Jesus. He used tape and rope to tie them up. Both of these victims were wearing glasses, and he took both of their glasses. What is this glasses thing? It's weird. So he actually tried to kill them by covering their faces with duct tape. And leaving them on the side of the road. But they managed to escape. So these women survived. Thank God. And also these two women said during the rape, he was making strange guttural noises. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Similar to perhaps what the counselor heard. He was also known as a very good outdoorsman. He was good at building shit and surviving outdoors. He spent a lot of time in the woods. 
specifically the woods surrounding Camp Scott. Oh, well. So then there was a cave found. So a week after the murders, these two brothers were out hunting and they found a cave that looked like someone had been living inside. Oh, God. So in Oklahoma, there's like, there's a lot of these caves. I have a picture of it where they're not like super deep caves, but they're just like rock formations where you can just like hang out inside of them. Oh, yeah. And it looked like someone had been living inside of this cave. They found photos, a flashlight cover, glasses, and a newspaper. It was the same newspaper that was stuffed inside the flashlight. Remember, it was stuffed inside so the the batteries wouldn't jiggle around. Oh, my God. Holy shit. And the photos were ones that Jean had developed while in prison. Apparently, the prison had a darkroom. He was just developing photos so in a dark room. Gene did it. So I don't understand. So Gene did it. So mm, well, <laughs> <laughs> wait. They found pictures that he had developed. They found the same newspaper. <laughs> All signs are pointing to Gene. All signs are pointing to Gene. So then another cave was found nearby, and it had graffiti in it that said, "The killer was here." Bye bye, fools. And it was the date was written seventy seven. Dash six dash seventeen, which is uh European military way. They they write the year first, yeah, then the month, then the day. And it was the it was a few day a- days after the murders. So they're like, huh, why is it written in the European or military way? So also, two years before the murders, in 1975, a farm owner said he saw a guy who looked a lot like Gene Leroy Hart hanging out in a cave on his property and walking around. This was when Gene was wanted by the police for escaping. So the farm owner called the police, but by the time they got there, Gene had disappeared. But they looked inside this cave. On one of the one of the sheriffs noticed a strange formation. There were four piles of ashes where fires were lit with cedar wood, and then cigarette filters were detached and placed in the center. Weird. He said this was some kind of like ceremony. So someone familiar with in- the indigenous culture there must have done this. And then DNA was taken from the cigarette butts that showed type O blood. Guess who has type O blood? Gene, Gene. our man Gene. Gene. Mean Gene. Also, they found a boot print in the cave that matched the boot print found in the girl's tent. It was size 9.5, but Gene wore 11 and a half. So it wasn't (sighs) his size. All right. So the cops were still looking for Gene. This is like the O.J. Simpson thing. If he just gets off on like a boot, I'm going to be fucking pissed. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. Now let's take a quick break for announcements. Webcrawlers has a Patreon to get access to rewards, bonus episodes, shout outs, merchandise discounts, video episodes a day early, ad free episodes. Me, Allie, reading Bigfoot erotica in a Sasquatch mask, please go to patreon.com slash webcrawlers. You can donate as little as $2 a month to become one of our bimbo patrons or just $24 for the entire year. Guys, you can swing it. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you give us a five-star review, we will read it on our show. Also, please send us your Twitter and Instagram accounts to the web crawlers Instagram or Twitter. I am getting so many DMs from you <laughs> with your accounts. I I love you. We will be following you from web crawlers, not from I've our been following accounts. people. 
even if you sent a review, if, if you did wrote a review like months ago, like send it to us. I'm still following you. I'm still wow, following Melissa, everyone. Who what a so nice. nice. Um, also, Erios has a hotline. Insert jingle here. 626-604-6262. Continue to call us, guys. We love you. We are only 46 voicemails behind. Uh, <laughs> now, catching up. catching up. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Now back to our regularly scheduled programming. So they brought in the OSBI, which is the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigations. They found three fingerprints on the bodies, Black hair found on the tape used to bound the girls. Okay, so this camp was still happening. They eventually cleared out the camp, but they wanted to keep the crime scene secure, so they hired a security company to make sure no one got in. So the security guard said they would find fresh footprints around the area, and they would hear stuff in the woods, like, after the murders happened. Oh, So shit. they thought someone was, like, still creeping around. Yeah. And they would send their dogs out to try to track a scent. And they would follow a trail, but then, like, the trail always just ended. One time they sent on a dog, and it came back scared and hurt, like <gasps> something had hit it. And the guards then put up string around the area, like very thin string, so no one could see it, but they could tell if someone was walking through it. And they discovered that the string was breaking because someone was definitely walking around the camp, like, in the oh, woods. Oh, shit. 
Then one night, the guards thought they saw a man in the woods, so they went to try to get him, but they didn't find anything. And when they got back, they saw that in front of the camp director's cabin, a bag that wasn't there when they left. So they opened up the bag. Inside was a pair of girls' shoes with pink socks inside the shoes. They were soaking wet. Written inside the shoes was Denise Milner, and the shoes were confirmed to be Denise's. No. Just in this This bag that was like... out of control. I've never heard anything like this. This is the most horrifying, terrible, like, this is insane. It's really insane. And there's, I found a news clipping from the Frederick, Oklahoma that was about the shoe. It said, victims' shoes add strange new twist in scout killings. Uh, so then hundreds of volunteers joined the search for the killer. Some of the parents of the victims actually joined in the manhunt. Richard Gouzet, Michelle's dad, he had a big part in the search. And then finally, two weeks after the murder, they found something within a mile of Camp Scott. It was two men's jackets, a shirt with bloodstains, jeans, beer cans, random trash. So it was clear that someone, people were living out in the woods yeah. around this camp. So a lot of reports were coming in that people were seeing Jean hanging out around the camp in the woods. 200 cops were now searching and 400 volunteers were wow. searching this 410-acre area of land. And then some of the searchers brought beer along and weapons, and they actually got arrested for public intoxication and drugs. Like, come on, it's the 70s. They're just trying to drink a beer. Look, people are crazy. So then the search turned up nothing. And there was also a rumor going around that was actually in a Tulsa newspaper that said a local medicine man had cursed the investigation and said the search dogs were going to die. And then shortly after that, one of the dogs died from heat stroke. No. And then another dog ran out in traffic, got hit and died. What? Two of the three search dogs died. What? <laughs> this like crazy this rumor. Is so, what? <laughs> it's crazy. Is this camp built on a burial ground or something? Perhaps it is. Okay. So 10 months after the murders, Agent Larry Bowles was told... An informant was told by an informant that Gene Leroy Hart was staying with a Cherokee medicine man named Sam Pigeon about 45 miles away. Pigeon thought Gene Hart was being unfairly accused by Sheriff Weaver, who had a personal vendetta against him, as did a lot of their community. Because remember, Gene escaped prison under the watch of Sheriff Weaver. He's like, oh, he's just trying to get him... Because he's mad that he escaped prison. Like, well, yeah, yeah. he's mad he escaped prison. Yeah. So then April 6, 1978, which is a year after the murder, the agents captured Gene. He was wearing women's sunglasses. Oh, shit. They searched the home and they didn't find anything of importance. But then a few days later, they did another search and found some stolen items from Camp Scott inside. Oh, fuck. A small mirror and a wooden corn cob pipe. It's strange that they didn't find anything on the first search. So some people think they may have planted that evidence just to be like, oh, "Oh, yeah, these are from Camp Scott. Weird that they didn't find anything on the initial search. So then Gene was charged with three counts of murder. He pled not guilty. 
And he was put back into jail to serve time for those the rapes that he Oh yeah, cuz he had a, he had he had escaped jail. Yeah, so he was supposed to be in jail anyway. So he was put back into jail because he already, already escaped. Also, you should probably get more jail time for escaping jail, no? Well, he had it was life in prison. Oh. Because of, he escaped twice. Oh, wow. Okay. And so the trial began March 9th, 1979. March 9th is my birthday. Oh. Congrats. Thanks. So the Cherokee National Tribal Council donated $12,000 to his defense, but they wanted to make sure they didn't necessarily think he was not guilty, but they wanted to make sure he had a fair trial. He was represented by Garvin A. Isaacs, who's a local Oklahoma attorney. He was also very charismatic and aware of the power of the media. He gave a televised interview before the trial where he stoked up these feelings bubbling within the community. He said, maybe I represent the fears and doubts that many people have about any system that has the means and the power to overwhelm each and every one of us. It's great that the Cherokee National Tribal Council wanted a fair trial, but it's also weird that they donated $12,000 to a guy who had like raped and uh, yeah. duct tape to pregnant women. Yep. It's, it's weird, but it's weird. You do you. You do you. Yeah. And the evidence wasn't super convincing. The hair that they found on the tape was similar to Jean's, the duct tape, but they couldn't say it was a definitive match. And they couldn't bring up the fact that Jean was already a convicted rapist. Why? I don't know. For some reason, they couldn't bring that up, like, to the jury. Well, the shoe prints don't match his size. And those fingerprints they thought they found on one of the bodies turn out to not be fingerprints after all. So those two items they found at the shack that Jean was hiding at, the mirror and the corncob pipe, the counselor whose items they were, said she brought those with her in a suitcase, but the suitcase was taken by the police as evidence. <gasps> and when the police returned the suitcase, those items were missing. Oh, fuck. So they clearly God. took those items out of her suitcase and planted them. Oh, come when on, they didn't cops. even need to plant that evidence in the first place. Trust so the process, the ca- you guys. Trust the process. Yeah, so the case is just in the trash now if the cops are already interfering with it. Yeah. Oh, so God. then there was semen evidence. The sperm was determined to be from a non-white male with type O blood. Gene was both of those things. But the semen doesn't necessarily have to contain sperm. Semen's just like the reproductive fluid. Yeah. And the semen found on the girls contained sperm. Gene, however, couldn't have been the one to produce that semen because he had a vasectomy. Okay, interesting. Okay. So which stops the sperm from being ejaculated with the semen. But... Then it was found out by the prosecution that his vasectomy had failed. And it okay, was only a partial vasectomy. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. This is <laughs> this is the craziest case I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. So the sperm also the sperm found at the crime scene had a rare abnormality. It one in which would be present from someone who had a partial vasectomy. Okay, so he did I don't understand. <laughs> so he did it. So I don't understand. So the defense brought up another man that could be responsible for the crimes, William Stevens, who was a convicted kidnapper and rapist, had a cellmate that said he confessed to the crimes. 
But it turns out he was trying to get a lighter sentence. Yeah. As criminals sometimes do. I'm so pissed right now. Well, the local sheriff said he was 1,000% certain that Hart, Gene Hart was guilty. Yeah. But the jury acquitted him. Why? But the thing is, as a convicted rapist and jail escapee, he are, he still had 300 years left of his Thank sentence. God. But I don't understand. They had DNA evidence of They had DNA evidence of him. I don't understand. They didn't, though. They had someone with type O blood. He had type O blood, but they didn't have DNA, like specific DNA evidence back then. It was all like circumstantial evidence, which was like overwhelming for sure. Jeez Louise. I feel so bad for the parents who yeah. these poor girls who weren't able to get the justice they deserve. But thank God that he's in prison anyway, you know. But... Oh, on no. June 4th, 1979, which was March, April, three months after the trial, he collapsed and died of a heart attack. Fuck that. that. Yeah, seriously. After about an hour of lifting weights and jogging oh, in the prison exercise yard. God. Fuck that. So he didn't even, he was three months after the trial, he was just dead. The civil suit that the parents filed against the camp for $3 million, they lost. What? They lost. This is infuriating. And so in 1989, Reverend Gerald Manley contacted authorities to say he thought four men were responsible for the crimes. He provided law enforcement with the names of the two people he said killed the girls. And the the officials investigated the tip provided by the reverend, but they were unable to link the men to the murders. And this reverend said he went to Camp Scott with four men who he claimed needed his Christian influence. And he saw the dead body of one of the girls and two sleeping bags that appeared to contain the corpses of the other Girl Scouts. But the police had, were unable to corroborate the story. But this reverend passed a lie detector test and he provided the same account while under hypnosis. What? So it was just like kind of a weird like, okay, I don't know if that... Okay, so then in 2008, the authorities decided to test the semen again in hopes of getting more conclusive results. Unfortunately, after several decades, the DNA sample was too degraded for technicians to create a profile of the person who left it. So that also meant that Gene still wasn't ruled out. And despite being found not guilty, many people remained convinced he committed the killings. Obviously. Yeah. Also in 2008, DNA tests were performed on biological evidence collected from a pillowcase found at the crime scene, revealing a partial female DNA profile. But experts determined that this female DNA profile didn't come from two of the murder victims, although they were unable to conclusively exclude the third girl as a source of the evidence. So they're like, it could be from a female killer, but it also could be from one of the girls. They're not they're not sure. Weird. And one of the victim's mothers, Sherry Farmer, said, I've always felt in my gut that there was a girl present. Given the DNA results, you have to wonder if there wasn't also a female who took part in the murders. So it's like, it's possible, but uh, maybe there is like a serial killer and then like the guy's girlfriend or something who felt sure. I don't know. So then the camp shut down. The camp that opened in 1928 remains close to this day. 
though the site's frequently visited by ghost hunters and paranormal enthusiasts who claim the area is haunted by the three girls. That feels disrespectful. Like, go, yeah, to, a place, go to a place with adult ghosts. Like, you don't need to go to a place adult with... Adult ghosts. Yeah, follow a g- adult ghosts. Like, that just seems disrespectful to me. Yeah. Uh, and then the 1980s, the Girl Scouts sold the camp, but the new owner has done nothing with the property. There's still, like, a picnic table... A fireplace, multiple wood tent platforms remain at the site, although they've been like covered by weeds and vegetation. And then apparently there's a convicted criminal who's making a movie about the murders. What? In 2011, John Russell, who was convicted of embezzlement and check fraud, announced that he was making Candles, a film about the murders at Camp Scott. And he decided to make a film about the case because he said that while he was in the Ottawa County Jail in 1979, one of his fellow inmates, Carly Myers, confessed to the killings. Oh. But then Myers, who was a convicted murderer, died in prison in 2012 while on death row. And, uh... But the officials never connected him to the Girl Scout murders. Oh, Carly's a girl? Carly Myers. Oh, Carl oh, Myers. Oh, God. I Not Carly it. Myers. I Carl thought it was Carly. Lee. <laughs> uh, and as of 2017, Candles still hasn't been released. Movie has not come out. Uh-oh. And then after Michelle Gouzet's death, her father, Richard Gouzet, helped establish the Victims' Bill of Rights in Oklahoma, as well as the Oklahoma Victims' Compensation Board, Gouzet said that he felt as though he and his wife were ignored by law enforcement and prosecutors. So he drafted a bill to create coordinating centers in Oklahoma to keep victims and families involved in every step of the legal process. Yeah, good. And the compensation board helps provide victims and their family members with money to assist with expenses like medical bills. And then Lori Farmer's mother, Sherry Farmer, founded the Oklahoma chapter of Parents of Murdered Children which is an organization dedicated to providing assistance and support to the families of homicide victims. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy that when these girls were murdered and brutally raped that they were told that they died in an accident. I mean, that's that's not crazy. And then they heard it on the news. It's horrible. So I'm glad that they did these victims uh, bill of rights. And hopefully that exists everywhere because that's really horrible. If you have any other really crazy stories like this, if you have any information, if you are older than we are and remember this happening, if you're from Oklahoma, if you've been to this campsite, yeah. if you want to share anything with us at all, Melissa, where can people reach us? Or anything terrible that happened at your Girl Scout camp. <laughs> Where can people reach us, Melissa? <laughs> you can email us at webcrawlerspod at gmail.com. All right, guys. I am Allie Siegel. I am Melissa Stettin. And I'm producer Maria. Bye. Bye. Powered by ACAS. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.